know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege, we have entered the final week of the regular season, and there's still, still so much to play for with all the different divisions and also the wild card spots, notably in the Western Conference, where I will be, uh, you know, checking out the Calgary Flames, playing for their playoff lives. Siege, first off, how was your weekend in two? What do you think of all this madness? More importantly, what's the vibe check in Calgary right now? Can't be can't be too smooth at the moment. Oh, it's nervous energy. Nervous energy. I fully expect, and I'm happy to be wrong, I fully expect to go to the Saddle Dome tonight. They are playing the Natural Predators and just feel this nervous energy like like what i what i would normally i'm i expect crowds to be like super loud and super amped and super into what's going on but it feels like the last few home games i've been at there's just been too many moments where it feels like a library which the saddle dome has unfortunately earned that reputation at times well i mean look at the product on the ice i mean the, these things are these things are inextricably linked when you give fans reason to be excited and, and get out of their seats. Usually those are loud buildings, but I think there's a lot of questions about this team and people wondering how it's going to go. And I mean, basically they can't lose on Monday, right? It, I mean, mathematically, I suppose there's still a way they could get in, but you need all kinds of help if, if you're not putting two points in the bank on Monday night. And so it'd be interesting to see how that game goes. Nashville's kind of hung around, although they lost the game Sunday. Um, in this playoff race, but it's yeah, such a big moment for Calgary to have a home game head to head against one of the teams that they can kind of put out and try to vault themselves over the Winnipeg Jets. Seriously, it it, it is the moment. It is the time for them to put up or shut up. And maybe this sounds like a cliche, but if they win today, and even if they win Wednesday, they still need a bit of help. But there's still this like very thin opportunity remaining for them to make something of what this year has been and i don't know like i i felt like there's something about that chicago loss they had last week i think if they had won that game then they go into winnipeg i think spirits are a lot more positive there's more reason to feel optimistic but the fact that the flames found a way to lose that chicago game I think that changes everything with how fans feel about this team. There are people well, who... And like, they lost three yeah. games to Chicago this year, right? They they lost all of their games to Chicago this year, and they're about to play a Nashville Predators team uh, who they have not picked up a win against all year. Right. I mean, I don't, head-to-head matchups sometimes, like, it's... Sorry, I had to draw my blinds. It's like, what's sorry. going on? Go, sorry, I, just sometimes, the stupid like, glare. Go ahead. We make too much of them because, you know, certain teams, when you get them, maybe you're playing back to back and they're rested. And like, like throughout a season, there's like a lot of dynamics that don't just get captured, but it just feels like to lose to a team right at the very bottom of the NHL standings three times. And, and where you're, you're either going to make or miss the playoffs here by one or two points on either side. Right. I mean, that's, that's what this season is going to be for Calgary. Uh, so it's hard not to look back at all the places you could have got extra points. I mean, the other thing that just jumps out, man, you cover this team and watch them much more than I do, of course, mm-hmm. is that 16 number in the overtime and shootout loss column. Like, it's crazy. Like, you could go back through all those 16 games. If, like, you win two more, you're 
it's just it looks different anyway. Um, this this is everything's on the line. I, I kind of like that they control their destiny to to a point, and that if they win tonight and get two points, they're still alive one hundred percent. And then they get another game Wednesday, and if they win that one, you know, like obviously ultimately they're going to need someone to to lose, but. I want to see them take care of their business first. Cause it just feels like every time they've had a chance at prosperity, the flames have let it fall through their hands. And remember this was a team, you know, that, that entered this year with so much hype around them. They had a, a big summer, a lot of splashy moves. I think a lot of us thought they were actually potentially better built for a playoff run. Um, you know, and now, now the conversation shifted obviously over these last six months, pretty dramatically. Yeah. I just, it's kind of funny that the Flames and the Jets are in this conversation because it feels as if the team that misses the playoffs between those two, they're due for some kind of shakeup in the offseason. You know, like if the Jet, the Jets, by the way, they need three points well, in they, the final three games to make the playoffs. They, they both have huge questions whether they make or miss. Like I don't, I actually don't think it changes that much. I mean, it changes the way you feel. You always, the owner's a little happier if if he's you know been able to have some home games and 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 all that kind of stuff. But I mean, if even if one of these teams wins a Stanley cup, like somehow gets in by a point and goes and wins the cup. I mean, there's still big contractual type of decisions or, you know, shape of the franchise type of decisions in, in both of those cities. Absolutely. Like there's no guarantee, for example, in, in, in Calgary, that Brad Trilliving is coming back. Like they still have to go through their contract negotiations and all that. But like, I sit here before you today as someone who is not sure if that is going to happen, even if they make the playoffs, I do not know. And I'm not trying to be all like, you know, like alarmist or anything. Like I, we do not know. We have, well, he doesn't no have idea. a contract. You're, you're, Correct. It's not, it's not alarmist. It's what April 10th. Yep. Because well, as of June 30th, he's free to go, you know, as of that night or under July 1st, he can go work anywhere he wants. Um, you know, it's the same as Kyle Dubas in Toronto. So like, it's, it's when you get down to this point of, of course, both might not be back just even on their, under their own choosing. It's not just because, their team might not want them back. When you, when you get this close to free agency, I'd say this for any of the players, there's players in all kinds of cities right now, if they don't have a contract and you get this far down the road, I mean, most of them are probably going to test free agency. You know, the GM chair is so unique and it's not like there's 10 teams going to be looking for a new GM uh, this summer, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange time. And then obviously it just hasn't gone well with Daryl Sutter He's already got a contract extension, but you know, I just think that there's, there's big questions to be faced there in Winnipeg. You know, we've all kind of wondered, you know, do they start breaking apart the core or how do they treat this? You know, with Mark Shifley, Connor Hellebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois, they can all be unrestricted free agents next summer. You know, do they preemptively make some kind of decisions or moves or do they, you know, even those moves could be an extension, right? You're able to sign a player to an extension a year out. So, I mean, they just have big decisions pending. Um, you know, all those things get put to the side in, at this stage of the season, but you're right. It, it won't be long. Like the season will end for one of these teams in a couple days. And then all of a sudden those questions will be very pertinent. What about Kevin Shevel day off in Winnipeg? I have no reason to believe he's at the end of his time. You know, I think that we have to remember the jets do business different than a lot of teams. I think that they value continuity and loyalty and, and all those sorts of things. They've only had a couple head coaches, in their entire franchise history, you know, Kevin Chevalier has been the only general manager. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't have, I haven't heard anything anyway about, about his situation being in, in any sort of jeopardy. Um, but, you know, I, certainly he's a key figure in all this because, 
maybe it's Winnipeg where they're asking those pertinent questions about all those players. And, you know, he and his staff are going to have to make some, some tough calls. I think this summer, again, one way or the other, whether they get in and have a long playoff run or whether their season ends by Friday. Uh, do you have a, I don't think I asked you which two teams uh, last week would be going in on the wild card on the Western side. Are, right now, since there's only one spot, are you picking between Winnipeg, the Jets, uh, the Flames, or do you think the Predators sneak in in that final wild card spot in the West? I, to be honest, had you asked me last week, I was thinking the Predators were going to get in. Um, I'm feeling a little less confident after they lost a big game. Where, I mean, this is, but but UC Soros had been playing so well, and and it seemed like a lot of people outside of Nashville, of course, were overlooking the fact that they had games in hand and they had the ability to kind of control their destiny. I think it's going to be Winnipeg ultimately just, I mean, the math being in their favor, they have, they have a one point lead on Calgary and they have three games to play and Calgary's only got two to play. So they, they've got, you know, the opportunity to, to truly control their destiny. You know, as for the other team, Seattle could jump LA still, which is like not, not something I've seen pointed out, but uh, maybe LA ends up as a wild card team. I mean, the cool thing about the West because of this, because we don't even know who's getting in, but then also the the matchups themselves are, are quite fluid. And so it's hard to know who the teams at the top of, of the conference are going to play, whether it's Edmonton or, or Colorado. I mean, we're going to see some jockeying here in these final few days before we know what's happening out West, you know, which is a little different than in the East. In the East, we don't know who's getting the wild card spots, but otherwise the matchups are kind of falling into place a little bit more clearly. Yeah, yeah in the West, uh, the sooner they figure that all, that all out, the better for me. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, we should mention... Not all about you, Julian. It's not all about me, but I would like to know, and I think that's all right. Anyway, uh, the Eastern Conference, uh, Florida and the Islanders tied at 91 points in a wildcard spot, and then Pittsburgh a point behind, uh, still holding on to hope. Uh, all three of those teams have played 80 games so far. What do you make of what's going How on? How about the Lion East? King, man? How about the Lion? You really King? are Alex big into Lyon. Alex Lyon, man. That's your dog. Well, he's he a thirty-year-old goaltender. He had seven career NHL wins before the season, and he's won six games in a row. And all of them have kind of been must-win when you look at where Florida is in the playoffs. I mean, it's such a great story developing, and and um, you know, good for the Panthers in a way for just rolling with them, like you know, because he was kind of a fill-in goaltender. I mean, the first win. Uh, on this streak that they've had actually came in Toronto. So I just happened to be there that day. And I, I was surprised he was starting a net uh, a little bit and look what's happened. So, you know, I think that there's a bit of folk hero kind of action happening there. It's sort of like the Hambler, Hamburglar back in the day in Ottawa, mm. you know, goalie Andrew Hammond, who, who didn't really have much of a track record and, and, you know, won all these games in a row for the senators got hot at the right time. And so, uh, Alex Lyon. I mean, if, if Florida gets in, which is it's again, they control their own destiny. If they win their last two games, they're in, they can actually clinch on Monday if they get two points and, and Pittsburgh drops a point. Um, so, you know, they could, they could clinch even a little bit early here. And who would have, who would have thought that it's a bit of a journeyman, 30 year old goaltender, you know, played an NCAA career was in Philadelphia system a bit with Carolina. And now, uh, now he's winning the big games for Florida and, and, you know, threatening to end Pittsburgh's uh, long playoff run too. Who's a bigger uh, contributor to uh, Florida's late season resurgence, Alex Lyon or Keith Kachuk calling the team soft. Ooh, I'm going to say Alex Lyon. Cause he's actually having to be in there stopping the bullets, but I, you know, 
it's just, it's interesting how that all worked out with Keith Kachuk. And, and you know, I think I mentioned this before, but it, there's, there's some thought that part of what can ail a team like Florida is not having kind of some of, you know, those, those walls they have to push down, you know, they don't, they don't get the media frenzies as much. And so, you know, they, they, they certainly haven't been soft here this last little stretch to win six in a row at this stage of the season, given how perilous it was looking right. They'd lost the, I think they lost four in a row before the winning six in a row. So it was the right time of year to get, have their longest stretch of the season. And uh, you know, this is good news for them. Not so good news for the Montreal Canadians who own Florida's first round draft pick this year. And we're hoping that would be a lottery pick. It's, it's looking less and less likely that's going to happen. One last thing before we bring on David Bastel for sports interaction. Uh, let's talk about one of the uh, two other teams fighting for that Eastern wildcard spot, but not off of, you know, Hey, how are they, how are their chances? Uh, Bo Horvat said some very interesting comments over the weekend uh, when asked about uh, his performance after a recent Islanders game and uh, the quote going around, it's a lot better than Vancouver. I'll tell you that for free. I would love to know how you feel about Horvat saying what he said and everyone getting in up in arms about that. And just, just, just your general thoughts on that. Well, he said it in arena. So it was right after the game. Yes. And my, my guess is he was feeling the emotions of the night and like probably one of those things I'm sure he would like to have back. Cause even if he has that kind of feeling about Vancouver, even if there's some bitterness with the way his time ended there or with the organization, which I think quite frankly, isn't unjustified entirely, but you don't want to be airing that publicly. You know, I bet if we asked him today, a couple of, you know, it's two days later, he'd probably be like, yeah, I really, I said the quiet part out loud. Um, but you know, for me, it just adds a little spice. I mean, what's the scene going to be like when he goes back to Vancouver now? Like it, it, it would have been totally different, right? This guy was seen a little bit as kind of a martyr, maybe, you know, he, he was the team captain. He'd been a good soldier. The organization, you know, didn't really step up to sign him last summer. You know, he'd been a model citizen on some bad Canucks teams and never complained, you know, just went about his business and had a great year this year, but now he might've turned himself with one comment into a bit more of someone the fans are booing and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know how, I mean, Vancouver is such a unique situation i don't know how the fans feel because so, a lot of the that fan base kind of doesn't like the organization it feels like right it feels like they 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 direct a lot of anger already towards you know the the leadership of the team and frankly the ownership of the team um and so i, I don't know if they'll see Bo, you know that comment from Bo is a shot at them or if they'll they'll see him kind of on their side that you know that i mean it's it's a pretty spicy meatball to drop and uh, we had a few of those on the weekend i don't know if you saw there's a quote as well from Chris Weidman uh, yeah. of the Montreal Canadiens who didn't like that the Leafs put in Jed Alexander for the last minute 10 of a game, you know, university goaltender. And he kind of said something along the lines of they're going to get what's coming to them in a couple of weeks. Like um, it's, we're getting, it's getting to the end of the year. Everyone's, you know, maybe a little bit on edge and uh, we're getting the honest quotes. Keep them coming. I was about to say like that. Th so those two things happened. And then like in the NBA, it felt like, everyone was trying to get at each other like this Easter weekend felt particularly combative for some reason. Yeah. Well, I do think in the NHL, like I I'm not as, I haven't been watching NBA close. I've been being honest, but I think it is just getting to the end of the year. Like it's been a long year in Montreal, right? Yeah. Uh, they lost a lot of games. Like I, I can understand why someone in Chris Weidman's shoes just might be feeling frustrated with where things are at. And 
Um, you get, you know, you get down to the end. Again, we have to remember not everything's planned. Like sometimes I have never been on the other side of the microphone. I haven't really been interviewed, maybe the odd podcast here or there or something, but like in general, but I can just imagine maybe it's sort of like a last day of school feel and everyone's like letting their guard down a bit. And, you know, as I say, keep it coming. We'll, we'll, we'll take more of this. I, I, I don't know that it's, it's pretty harmless in, in the big picture, even though people get pretty fired up on Twitter. Then what's the last day of school equivalent of putting in a U sports goaltender in the final seconds of a blowout game? It seemed like a lot of people got upset about that too. I don't get oh, why people on. would I mean, get. No, I think it's ridiculous too. Like, it's just, it's clear that this guy, like the game was well out of reach for the Canadians to get. It's a cool opportunity for this e-bug to step in and, and play a couple seconds and say he got to play in the NHL. Why is everyone freaking out about like, I, I don't, I don't like the discourse that's going on about that story. Yeah. That's insane to me. Like if you don't just see that as the Leafs giving a nice moment to a 23 year old who called it, you know, a dream come true afterwards. Like to me, they weren't rubbing anyone's nose in anything. Um, like I, 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 I guess you don't like that if you're on the Canadian side. Well, it's like, well, don't lose seven to one. Like don't put the Leafs in a position where they have that free minute 10 where they could have put you or I in Julian and, and they still would have won the game. Like, like it sucks to suck. Right. Like, like I don't, I, I can't believe anyone would be mad about that. Again, I don't mind if Chris Weidman, like I think athletes got to find a chip on their shoulder. They got to find their fuel wherever they can find it. Like, like I don't mind him being, mad but like anyone who's a neutral here and i'll call us neutrals on this one like just literally i don't know how you could view that like edmonton did the same thing this yep, year right that's exactly what i was going to point out too we're a couple months out from that happening right and I, i'm pretty sure everyone kind of celebrated that move it was cool like the guy got in and and you know he made a save like it's a neat moment i, I see it kind of as team bonding team building and if it was a 4-3 game, either way, the Leafs, I guarantee you, wouldn't have done that. So, you know, Chris Weidman and his teammates had an opportunity to not be down 7-1 to one and give Toronto, the, give Toronto the, the license to kind of do whatever they wanted at the end of that night. I like this start to the podcast today. We get it on some playoff talk. We get it on some, some chatter here and around the league. We still have sports interaction to come. We still have Matthew Nye's talk to come. And it's Monday, so we've got questions coming I've got to be a culpa, well. too, but we'll do it on the other side of uh, DB. Ooh, all right, cool. So uh, we will get to that on the other side of DB, as you just said. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn for all of your gaming needs. We should be talking about hockey, but tomorrow is opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays, sir. We're excited. <laughs> we are excited it, over here. It, it's it's totally, you're absolutely right, because we're winding up the NHL season. I'm gearing up for postseason like you guys are, because I know that's going to be uh, a lot of fun, especially at first round. But it's also opening day in Toronto on Tuesday, and that's a pretty big deal in the city and across most of uh, the nation, just because it is that, uh, that you know, the return of, uh, of uh, the boys this summer that kind of melted down last year if you remember seattle mariners whoa there are some people who are going to be very upset at what you just said Jeez. Oh, yeah. I, I was i was at that game julian it was terrible it, it, it was the i was sitting beside Ernie sure don't Witt. seem all that broken I, I, up about it 
<laughs> I'm like, hey, you know what? It's the Tigers. That's the good news, guys. The Jays are heavy favorites in this one. And I like them for a variety of reasons, not not just because they should roll over a Tigers team that's last place in the Central, but a lot of good props at Sports Interaction now for home runs. Uh, I'm circling Matt Chapman because this guy's red hot right now, almost hitting 500. He's hit. He's paying about 5-1, to one, CJ, to hit a home run. There's going to be dingers because you've been to this dome more than I have. This is dinger-friendly. And and you're playing against the Tigers, which also means dinger friendly. So a lot of these things add up. I'm expecting big things, not only for this game, but for this season. Well, and they've changed the alterations of the outfield. And so it's even a little more Homer friendly. So hopefully yep. uh, it's a great opening game there for them. And, and yeah, I'm optimistic on this team, despite the way last season ended and that you horribly have brought me back to mentally. <laughs> uh, you know, I, given that a 10 game road trip to start the season, I think six and four is pretty solid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great year for the Jays. And, and so they got to get it off right. They're winning Tuesday night and uh, lots of poutine hot dogs will be consumed. DB, are you, are, are, where do you stand on the poutine hot dog debate? Um, you know what? I'm uh, I'm willing to try because I'm a massive fan of hot dogs. I'm a massive fan of poutine. I, mix them together. I, I mean, friends should be able to do the old uh you know, Hogan, uh, Savage, uh, WrestleMania match, you know, where they're friends. But then I, I tend to remember that they fought at the end, but we, we won't get into that right now. Uh, but yes, I, I'm on board for, for the hot dog and a lot of other delicious treats, which you can only find at arenas and stadiums throughout North America. Okay. Well, here's to hoping <laughs> your intestines don't make like the New World Order and start fighting each Whoa. other. Whoa. Hey, hey. You're putting down what I'm throwing. I like it. Hey, wrestling <laughs> references on the CJ Show. Don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in-game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. DB, we'll talk to you soon. For life. Uh, Siege, you mentioned uh, you had a mea culpa to do. Do you want to get started with that before we get on to everything else? Yes. I'll go right into my DMs for this one. And oh boy. You might recall the last show I, I showed up with the Juggernaut t-shirt. <laughs> you did, and, yes. You know, we were having our playful banter and being goofy. Yeah. And I guess that I mentioned that I on that episode that I hadn't used a Juggernaut word related to a team this season. And Risto Pakarainen, uh, who's a friend of mine, he lives in Sweden, covers, he's written books, and he, but he's covered uh, international hockey over the years. And listens to every one of our shows this morning, sent me a quote. <laughs> These Bruins are a steamroller, a force, a juggernaut. And that was from my March 6th inside the NHL newsletter. So no I didn't remember. Way. I didn't remember having done that, honestly. Like I it slipped my mind that I had done that. But but Risto's keeping me honest here. Uh he, he said he we're he said he's a hundred percenter, meaning he follows everything that I'm saying in writing. And he said, we, we study every podcast episode, every newsletter, every tweet. <laughs> so he's keeping me honest here. So sorry to those that I have was not intentionally lying. It just had slipped my memory. I had written that. I slipped my memory too. I didn't realize you had said that. I forgot. I know. Well, I mean, I guess I'm comfortable enough. Look, the Bruins, they've won 63 games now, right? They, they sit atop the all time standing. So, I mean, that's not at least a hot take. I wrote that a month ago, but, you know, clearly they're they're on a special special year. Pasternak gets to sixty goals. I mean, I don't I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs, but 
I'm comfortable saying this is as good of a regular season team as we've seen in a long time. I mean, maybe Tampa from four years ago is the closest equivalent in recent memory, but I mean, the Bruins, all they do is win. So yeah, I've called them a juggernaut, but not with any intent to sway what happens in the world. I have nothing but respect for how they do their business. And they might still, here's the thing for people who forget the very first time CJ used that word, or at least the first time that's documented, he used it about the Montreal Canadians who ended up going to the final that year. Like it's not that bad of a word. It was a journey though. Like they ended up firing Julian like three weeks after I tweeted it. Like they, they immediately went into a nosedive after I tweeted it. And, and keep in mind, I was tweeting it. I actually, I actually thought they were a juggernaut, right? Like I was just watching. They they looked really good. They did. It was the year. It was the year of the Canadian, uh, all Canadian division in the COVID years. And I was seeing lots of their games because the teams are all playing each other. And I was covering the Leafs primarily at that time in my job. And so I called them a juggernaut in a tweet and it just, it, for whatever reason, it caught wildfire and you're right. They ended up in the Stanley cup final that year. So I don't know why it's viewed as a, as a curse. Anyway, where'd you get that juggernaut shirt, by the way? Um, I had it made. It's when I, I ran a marathon. Um, yes, that's true. And I did it. I did it to raise some money during the COVID year. And, and actually I did it in response to all the response to that tweet. And I was showing like, you can't jinx anything. Like I'll even go run 42.2 kilometers with this shirt on proving I can't jinx anything with the juggernaut, but um, yeah. And it's funny that day I actually wasn't trying to be a goof. I just, I literally like, I literally went into my drawer and I was like looking for a shirt and I grabbed it. And I just like laughed. I hadn't seen it. It was like in the bottom of my drawer. And I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was like, I'm just going to wear this on the pod today. Anyway. Yeah, it was a great shirt to wear, though. But uh, thank you, uh, Risto, uh, for fact checking. Uh, also, uh, 100 percenters. Is that a nickname we want to use going forward for our CJ show listeners? I'm OK with that. I mean, Risto doesn't he, he walks his dog. He tells like, he never misses a pod. Like, honestly, he'll he'll just come in my DMs like a day later. And it's like he was part of a conversation you and I had. And he wants to put in his two cents. Like what's, you know, like whatever, whatever we were on about, he's got some ideas. You know, he's out walking his dog, Luffy. And uh, yeah, 100 percenters. So he he would be one. Coburg Papa would be one. I don't know how many other 100 percenters there are. I mean, we, we do a lot of shows, man. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, well, Risto, we appreciate you. Thank you. And uh, I just want to stick with the Bruins for a second here. I was just curious, uh, which of these milestones that have happened over the last few days, which of these milestones uh, impresses you the most? Is it the Bruins uh, breaking the single season record for wins? Is it Connor McDavid uh, getting over 150 points in a season? Is it Sidney Crosby reaching the 1500 point plateau? Uh, I get there's there's two individual players in a team here, but they're all incredible milestones all the same. I'm just curious which one you're mo- you're most impressed by. It's got to be McDavid 150 for me. It that's tough because you're asking about a career long achievement like Crosby's. Mm-hmm. There's a team achievement in in the Bruins for a season, and then an individual achievement for a season. But you know, I, I think the fact that it's very likely. I mean, I don't know how many of the remaining games McDavid is going to play, but he could get to 155 points. And at that point, then you have only Gretzky, 
Lemieux and McDavid who've ever reached that total in a year. And whenever you're doing anything where you say offensively that the only other two players ever in history have done it are Gretzky and Lemieux. I mean, that's, this is, this is the Mount Rushmore season for him. And, and this is no, I'm not throwing any shade at the Bruins, but you know, as much as I'm saying, this is the best regular season I can remember Tampa won 62 games only four years ago. So it's not like, it's not beyond comprehension. Now it's still a ridiculous, ridiculous record. And I'm honestly not taking anything away from it, but um, you know, McDavid's doing something once in a generation. I think we can all recognize with all the changes over the years with now three on three overtime and shootouts. And like, it's, it's hard to compare these Bruins to like the 19, you know, late seventies Canadians teams. Uh, and just in terms of like how many points earned in the standings, it's, it's a little bit apples and oranges. Um, and I suppose you could make the same argument with McDavid. I just, I think his, his numbers, like we're used to it in a way, like we're almost like dull to it, but it's nuts. Like Sidney Crosby's best individual season is 120 points. And McDavid has 30 more than that right now. Like it's like, think how many like fourth liners out there, like 30 points is a great year for them. He's got like, he's got a fourth liners equivalent season above Sidney Crosby's best season. It's, it's hard for me to put my brain around. He's almost, if he hasn't, I mean, he's, he I should think be the close. Oilers are going to the cup final, by the way. Okay. So that's one half of your cup prediction. I don't know if they're winning it, but I, I'm, I am calling Edmonton getting out of the Western conference in the playoffs. Okay. So hold on to that because this time next week, we're going to want your full cup prediction. So hold back on who your East pick is. But I'm just saying, like, I think McDate, like, I think it's that special. And I know you would have the natural questions. What about Stuart Skinner? We haven't seen him play. Like there's all like, there's no guarantees in life or in, in best four to seven playoff series in hockey. But I, I really think the Oilers got it going on this year. Hey, look, I, I think there's a lot of people in Edmonton who would love to hear what you love to hear that. They would love to see Connor McDavid. I mean, at this point, that's what that's that's the one thing he needs because he's going to win the heart this year. He, he has he has all these other different individual accolades. He's climbing up these point totals. What does that mean to him if he doesn't have a ring, at least one ring? on his finger. This is the one thing he needs. It's true, but you know, I've thought about this a lot. What in a league with 32 teams now, like we might have to revisit how we feel about careers that don't include a ring. Cause there's just not enough rings to go around. And anyway, you're right though. For him, he needs it like in his mind, like don't get me wrong, but, and it's way too premature to have this discussion about him because he's got 10, years after this i mean there's a lot there's he's still got more chances but we're gonna see that the reality is whether it's Connor mcdavid or someone else we're gonna see more and more truly great careers not include a championship just because you know it was a 20 team or 21 team nhl when gretzky and lemieux were around winning their first rings right like adding 11 more teams changes the dynamic and there's a lot of guys out there that just i, I just don't think you're gonna get one that that everything else about their resume will be sparkling. So, I mean, are we already in that era already? I mean, we're just coming off a hall of fame class where the Sedin twins got in Daniel Alfredson got in Roberto Luongo got in. How many Stanley cup, how many Stanley cup rings do all of those guys have? I think it was the first class ever that included no Stanley cup rings. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think we're already at that point because of all those teams and 
because of the 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 impetus put on on international success too, right? Like you could be a guy like Carey Price, who you know maybe you don't have the Stanley Cup success, but you have the individual success in the NHL, and you you prove to be a baller on the international stage. If you're able to do that, like nothing wrong with your career, especially if at the end of the day you could be considered a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Right, but Connor McDavid hasn't even basically had a chance to play internationally. I mean, I know the world hockey. Anyway, let's not go down this. We, we've yeah, been on this a- topics, but you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's such a weird... That's why I'm hoping... Um, I'm actually hoping that at least more players go to the World Hockey Championship. In, in the meantime, like, in, in the absence of best on best, that's the best we have at the senior level of men's, you know, international hockey. So maybe, maybe there'll be more and more players going over in May um, from, from the North American countries that don't always, you know, eagerly go over to that tournament. Right. Uh, I hope so too. Um, before we get to ask CJ, uh, Matthew Nyes over the weekend signing a uh, three-year entry-level contract. Did you see the ending of that, of that Quinnipiac uh, Minnesota game, by the way? Insanity. <laughs> you only needed 10 seconds. So you only needed 10 seconds it's it's truly it's it's an instagram clip you you could watch all of overtime on one ig clip um it was crazy the way it went down too like it was the ball was the, the ball the puck was pinballing like people were falling referees getting taken out like it was it was a wild it was just a wild ending yard sale um, i didn't actually get to see that game it wasn't available where i was so i didn't watch the game itself um on saturday but I did see that overtime. Man. Good for Quinnipiac. Like they weren't expected to do that, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh getting the better of uh Matthew Nyes and uh, the Gophers in that final. But now uh Matthew Nyes is a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Everyone was wondering when he'd sign. Everyone was wondering when that contract was coming. And now people are gonna be like, Oh, well, are we gonna see him in the lineup? I mean, I mean, you know, the Leafs are already in the playoffs, you know, what's gonna happen? Like, what can you tell us about what the Leafs could do uh with their newest prospect? Well, I think if we actually rewind to the weekend, it tells us a lot about how they feel about Matthew Nyes, that they were willing to to go, you know, have a game on Saturday night where they had a university goaltender, Jet Alexander, backing up Ilya Samsonov uh, for their game against Montreal. Now, obviously, it wasn't a game that mattered in the standings. The Leafs had clinched home ice by that point. Um, so winning or losing didn't affect it. But still, they they had to jump through some salary cap-related hoops to, to spare everyone all the, the, the gory details, it's basically because Matt Murray got injured. It complicated the Leafs' road to to being able to sign Matthew Nyes, but you know they they created emergency conditions essentially by having a university goaltender in there, and you know now they're able to call up Joseph Wall and sign Nyes. I, I think you go to if you go to that trouble essentially to get Nyes into you know one or all of these remaining three regular season games on your schedule, you're doing it with the idea he might be playing games beyond that point. And, you know, I, th- I think it's impossible to say, I'd say it's unlikely he's playing game one of the playoffs, but th- you know, there could be injuries too. If there's, if there's one injury at, at the forward group, I, I would say it's likely he's going to, he would be in, like, I think he's probably their 13th forward right now, um, you know, on the depth chart. And then some of it's going to be how he, how he looks this week uh, when he plays his first NHL games. But there's, there's definitely a world where this guy's, playing for the Leafs this playoffs. Like, I, I think that, you know, they're making this signing. They they are excited about Matthew Nye's the next number of seasons, right? Like the signing is, 
it's really to entice him to jump out of college now to turn pro and to be, you know, an option for them next year on an entry level deal. And, and two years from now on an entry level deal, like I think you're going to see him assume a more prominent place in the, the roster and the lineup over those, those couple seasons. But in the short term, he's, he's more insurance against injury or performance related issues. And I, I think it's completely plausible possible that, you know, he's not just making his, his NHL debut in the next week or two. He's, he's also playing his first Stanley cup playoff games. And we've seen, you know, everyone from Charlie McAvoy do that. Cole Caulfield uh, got into that Canadians run to the cup final after playing 10 or 12 games at the end of the regular season. I mean, it's not completely unprecedented. And I think it's, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Leafs even put Nick Robertson right into playoff games from the Ontario hockey league during the, the COVID bubble back in 2020. So Sheldon Keefe has shown a willingness to do this in the past. And, you know, I think the Leafs are in a pretty good spot right now with their four group. Like I don't see, I don't see a place in the lineup where I'm like, he has to be there, but I, I think he's an option. And, um, you know, that's probably why Leaf fans are so excited, right? It's, it's, you know, it's sort of a shiny new toy and, and, you know, the, the organization has had the same core now for a number of seasons. You know, the Leafs haven't been having highly ranked picks to, to put into their, their lineup quite as much because, you know, they've been trading those draft picks for going all in at the deadline. So, you know, this is a, it's a, it's a unique kind of set of circumstances for Nyes. And uh, let's see how he does this week first before we're handicapping where he's playing, you know, come the, the series with the lightning. Exactly. Uh, and of course, uh, next week, uh, in anticipation of uh, the playoffs, we will have all of the thoughts we could possibly muster up about a Leafs Lightning series, as well as all the other series that could happen uh, in this year's first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I can't wait. I can't Man, wait. So close. I mean, when we're doing next Monday's episode, that will be the first day of the playoffs. Like, think of think exciting. Of, think of the feeling that'll be in the air that day, like when we're recording this episode. You know, a week from now, it's. It's awesome. It's about that time for Ask CJ. Let's get some questions in. Are you ready to uh, take in some questions from the from the uh, listeners, the viewers? Absolutely. What do the people want to know? From the High Sticking Podcast, let's start with them. I think Ken Holland should be nominated for GM of the year. Might not win, but he deserves a few votes, not only for the moves he made, but also for the ones he did not make. Uh, I think just... I thought this was more of a question. It's more of a take, but I guess he kind of wants to know who you think might end up being GM of the year. Well, GM of the year is one of the weirdest awards the NHL does because it gets voted on after the second round of the playoffs. So at that point, there's four teams remaining. And so obviously four GMs have put those four teams together. And so three of the four finalists inevitably are from those remaining four teams. So tell me or not 100% if the Oilers get to the, the third round again, well, then I would say he's likely to, to be there. I think if we're making the vote now, though, he certainly has a case. It's just it's hard for me to imagine either with coach of the year or GM of the year that you're going outside of Boston. I mean, this isn't just a, a like, look how much better they are than the other teams. Right? It's not just that they set a record this year. You know, they are miles ahead of everybody in the, in the entire league. And so I think that that for me, Jim Montgomery in his first year behind the bench, uh, for the Bruins should be the the coach of the year. And I think Don Sweeney, even for having the guts to to make that, that coaching change. Cause if you remember Julian back when that happened, I was stunned to see Bruce Cassidy fired. He he coached the Bruins to the playoffs in six straight seasons during his time there. So I know that they hadn't won a Stanley cup and gotten over the hump, but you know, it's, 
we're not talking about a coach who was badly failing or, or had clearly lost the room. Um, but I think even on the strength of that move, not to mention, you know, some of the things he did in the off season and even at the trade deadline, getting Orlov Hathaway, Tyler Bertuzzi and the Bruins just rolling through everybody. I mean, if, if either, the, if those guys don't win those awards, I feel like something's wrong. Just here's the thing though. So first off uh, my bad on, on the reading of the question, the first line that for whatever reason, I didn't, copy to my notes uh who are your candidates for gm of the year and coach of the year so you actually answer the second part of that question too with jim montgomery uh i don't have a problem if jim montgomery wins i have a bit of an issue i have a bit of an issue if don sweetie wins for gm of the year because well, you're, as good, you're gonna bring up mitchell miller right well yes i have what hold on a second yeah yeah Yes, absolutely. I have a big problem if Don Sweeney and the Bruins win GM of the year knowing they had one of the bigger scandals of this season or the biggest missteps. That would be a massive mistake. I understand where you're coming from. They built a team that will go down as one of the greatest regular season teams, if not the greatest regular season team of all time. But I have a hard time with them making that decision and not going about due diligence properly and then being like, all right, congratulations, you're GM of the year. That's just my take, but like I, I have a hard time giving them the win. It'll be, I, I, you know, I hadn't when I was going through that. I wasn't thinking of that, obviously. But in terms of building a team, like it's hard to to, to question it, right? I don't know that, and honestly, I don't know what the criteria is. I don't vote on GM of the year. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know. Like, if there's a like, are you just saying like the the person who did their job the best, whatever it is? But yeah, it's who who would you vote then? Like, who's who's the next best GM? Uh, it's a it's a great question, I guess. I mean, if the Oilers, you're saying the Oilers could go to the Cup final this year, I mean, doesn't that I get why Ken Holland would get some votes for that, right? I guess for for making some decent moves at the deadline and actually building a team that could actually go to the final and go beyond its potential. Um, yeah, I mean, Tom Fitzgerald, New Jersey's, yeah, you know, probably they've arrived here at a moment a year quicker than I think they would have thought. Um, Absolutely. I mean, but there's not it's it's hard Ron to have Francis a, in Seattle. Does he not get consideration? This is a team that's also ahead of schedule. Right. Well, and Dave Haxtell is coach. Honestly. Yes. Um but yeah. I don't vote on either award. So I don't they don't they don't give me a say anyway. Neither will you. But uh, uh Well, it's the truth, right? I I'm pretty sure the GMs vote for their their own peer. If I'm not mistaken. The G. I mean, okay. I mean, the players on the Ted Lindsay, I guess. So it's not. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't have a problem with that, but I, I'm. It's it's a newer award, right? It's been around the last ten or fifteen years, say. And it, the fact they do it after the second round of playoffs, I just think looks odd. Like to me, you either do it after the Cup final, but then I mean, the GM of the year is the guy who gets to lift the cup anyway. Yeah, that's uh, true. You know what I mean? Like that's the that is the person who objectively has achieved like what the point of their job is. Um, or you do it after the regular season, like all the other awards, and you just live with the fact that you're voting on the regular season. And, you know, you might be giving the jam of the year to someone whose team gets up, upset in round one. I mean, it just, just might be how it goes. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the question, High Sticking Podcast. Uh, Ectoplasm97. I'm sure there's been lots of instances where you've been called and told you, need, you needed to travel at the last second for work. What's your best story of one of these times where you needed to scramble? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if there's a best story. There's like a few weird ones that jump to mind. Um, there was a time where I was, I had gone to Winnipeg and I covered a Jets Leafs game in Winnipeg. I literally flew home 
and was at the grocery store like the same day I flew home, like buying groceries. And my boss phoned me. And he's like, I need you to go to Winnipeg uh, because there's, there was an outdoor game there. And, and the person that was supposed to go had, had fallen ill or something. And so, like, I literally just went back on a plane and flew right back to Winnipeg. Oh, um, that's weird. Where I had just been. Like, it was just, like, strange. And, you know, Winnipeg's a good two and a half hour, whatever, flight from Toronto, maybe three hours. It was, like, a lot of back and forth. Um, th- another one that, that comes to mind is I was in Scotland a few years ago on vacation in the summer. And it was, like, the day I was flying home. It's sort of similar kind of story. And my boss phoned, and he's like, I need you to go to the NHL's European player media tour in Stockholm in like four days. Um, And so that was pretty short notice. I can't remember why I would be thrown into that. So last minute, but I literally like flew all the way home from Scotland and basically got on a plane and flew right back to Europe because there was no way it was so late. I couldn't change my plans to just stay there. Like whatever complications there were. Um, So those are like the ones that jumped to mind. I mean, most of the time, obviously the, when, when travel's kind of up in the air, it's the stuff that we've talked about before, Julian, like you're covering a playoff series. It's like, if this team wins the Stanley Cup tonight, I'm flying home tomorrow. Or if not, I'm flying back to this city. And, you know, there's been a bunch of those over the years. You know, the one cup final, uh, New Jersey, LA, the Kings went up three, nothing and looked like they were going to sweep. And then New Jersey won two more games. So that, that necessitated like three more cross continent flights. Like that, that can be a lot. That can be a lot at times, you know, especially, Again, I'm not, I never get in that situation. It wasn't like I was a Kings fan, but um, I can't remember what's going on that summer, but there's like a reason I wanted to get home. And, you know, I, it, it's just like, it's a lot, it's a lot more air miles and all that stuff. But, you know, the travel side, I'll say this, the travel side of the job is something I've like truly loved. I, I've always had kind of a wanderlust. You know, I, I went and lived in London, England, you know, the year I graduated from university I always traveled a lot on my own time, even when, you know, I was young and didn't have any money. Like I would scrape basically whatever discretionary income I had, I was always spending on things like travel versus like buying nice clothes or anything like that. And so like, I really have enjoyed that part of the job. You know, I travel a lot less now and that's to my liking because I'm getting older and I've done a lot of that, but you know, I don't know if any of these are like great travel stories, but pretty much any time where I, had, I was like just in a place, had to fly home and then fly right back there. I'm that, that Winnipeg one, I remember how hilarious it was. Like I, I actually thought my boss, I, I thought it was like a joke, right? Cause he had obviously known I was just back from Winnipeg. And he's like, I need you to go right back to Winnipeg. <laughs> Saying back to Winnipeg reminds me of that Simpsons episode where um, you watch the Simpsons. Oh yeah. I mean, I haven't, I used to watch it as a kid a lot. There's like a like a random like scene where like these kids are are driving like no this family's like driving down this road. Is this one episode where like Bart and Millhouse and I'm trying to remember the two other kids, but Nelson's in the car. They basically hijack a car and they're like driving cross country and they're driving alongside this other car and like this dad is completely like you know like he's completely on it like he's getting annoyed by his kids and then Nelson sticks his head out of the car and then smacks the dad in the head. And then the dad's like, that's it. Back to Winnipeg. And then they turn around and try. Oh, you probably remember that one. I do. And you know, I actually just thought of another story that, that might fit the bill a little better. So perfect. The Leafs, the Leafs capital series in 2017, I guess that was, um, there was a group of us flying, trying to fly down to Washington for game five of, of that series. And it was a lot of the tech. I was working at sports at the time. And a lot of the technical people responsible for making the broadcast get to air were, were all on the same flight as me. 
And it was one of those days you, you, we got to Pearson in Toronto and just like every flight on the Eastern seaboard was like canceled, like everything. Like there was no way, like you couldn't fly to say Philly and do whatever. And to be honest, like they, if, if it was just me, I probably just wouldn't have went to that game. Cause like, what can you do? And the world would keep spinning, but there was a number of people uh, that work for sports that, that were camera operators or, or did other aspects of the show that were like needed to have a broadcast. And so they, at the last second, they literally rented a bus and like 12 or 15 people are, and I were on a bus. We drove through the night oh my um, God. and they literally dropped us off at the morning skate. Like we, oh we drove God. all night and, and got dropped off at the arena for the morning skate. Obviously eventually went and checked into the hotel after doing whatever work we had that morning, catching a quick nap and then covering that game. Like that was one of the, that was one of the weirder kind of crazier travel moments in my career. Um, and as I say, like I, let's face it, the least in capitals could play without CJ there. I could have watched it on TV and written something or whatever, but um, that was, that was kind of fun. That's a wild story. It drove in the middle of the night. Well, I mean, it's, it's an eight hour drive to Washington in a car from Toronto. And I think a bus probably goes a little slower. So I don't know if it was nine or 10 hours or what, but you know, we tried, you tried to sleep where you could, I remember we stopped at like the duty free. That's the other thing. None of us had really eaten because we were we were all at the airport intending to fly, and we were just like getting like junk, for, like whatever you could buy. It was, I mean, not always the healthiest living when you're when you're traveling through the grind, you know. That's true. That's true. Uh, I got another one from Congo Red, and I'm very intrigued at the answer you'll give for this one. Okay. With some famous players like Tom Brady and LeBron James, the public knows more personal things like their favorite foods. Uh, their social circle, etc. Who do you think is the hockey player we know the most about? I think the I think I know what the answer is, but I also wonder if Congo Red uh, wants an answer of an active player and not just like someone who was once a player. Hmm. I mean, I'm almost inclined to say Wayne Gretzky. Do we know the most about? Interesting. Well, I mean. Well, you have to be of a certain age. Like if you're, he just, he, he by far, he, like he had more exposure than any hockey player, even still did. today, I think like just the number of campaigns he did. He literally had like when he and Janet got married, he had like a Royal wedding. Like it was like live on TV and you know, his mom and dad, like I'd say like Walter Gretzky literally, again, you have to be of my generation to know this, but he was like, like interviewed widely, like like Wayne Gretzky's father was famous in Canada. Like, yeah, it's like a old. big deal. Like he would, you no, know, I I know about some of those interviews too. He's like the hockey dad, right? So like I feel like in terms of just and and he was in the spotlight from the time he was eight years old, and he's still to a degree in the spotlight, right? Like so, I was feeling like he's, but in terms of who we know the most, like what are you thinking? Like, are you talking about someone who shares the most details on Twitter and stuff, or on IG, or? Yeah, I thought more because my answer would have been P.K. Subban because of the photos he puts up of, of him with his circle. Uh, right. Remember when he was dating Lindsey Vaughn for all that time? Like we knew about that. I don't know who he's dating now if he is, but like him right. and him and Lindsey Vaughn, that was like a thing. But like to your point, like Wayne Gretzky, we were t- a few weeks ago, the debate was, OK, which NHL player uh, do you think would best host SNL? Didn't Wasn't Wayne Gretzky on SNL a couple years he ago? Hosted. He, he hosted, hosted SNL like years ago. Yeah, he did. And 
PK is probably a good answer, actually, when I think about it. But, you know, hockey players in general don't share. They're not, you know, there is a type. I, I don't want to broadly say that every hockey player is the same, but like hockey players generally are kind of low key and don't get into that stuff. I mean, that, that's that's the truth. I mean, this next generation, though, we've talked about, like they, they are open. I just think some of them are so young. They haven't had a life yet to share exactly everything. But that's true. But like I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm optimistic too that I think more and more of those kids are, I don't know. Maybe they see what's going on in some of the other leagues that they've been following, and they see how they go about it. So they kind of take after that. Like I know I mentioned the NBA and 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 how players are like one like one tweet that uh, was buzzing in my head. So there was a game involving the Minnesota Timberwolves, and uh, Rudy Gobert uh, got himself into an altercation with one of his teammates on the bench. And uh, Draymond Green, like, kind of subtweeted him, like, after the fact, which is funny because Rudy Gobert did the same to Draymond Green when he got into an altercation with the teammate Jordan Poole at the beginning of the year. Like, stuff like that is awesome. It's hilarious. Like, I mean, you know, some teams might not like it, but, like, we love it. I agree that it's hilarious, but we're not learning a lot about the individual there other than maybe that they get a long memory or sense of humor. Um, Actually, you know what? There's one final question. One okay. final question for you. From Out Cold X, who could eat more puts in hot dogs, CJ, Julian, or Phil Kessel? You can already put me third on that list. So it's between you I'll, and Phil. I'll, I'll call my own number. I think I can. Oh, let's go. Yes. Now, maybe. Maybe it depends. Maybe in season because Phil's doing so much cardio. Maybe he's got works up more of an appetite. But I think in general, I I could probably do it. I'm not I'm not always the best at competitive eating, though. I'll say in general. Like I still have a memory of watching the SDP guys do their hot dog eating contest during the pandemic, which was hilarious, but also like gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I love absolutely, and I love hot dogs. But like the idea of getting to like twelve or thirteen or what I don't even know what number they got to, but it it looked uncomfortable. Like Adam Wild particularly looked, he looked visibly uncomfortable, like while doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we can up the ante with those guys and have them eating, have them eating puts in hot dogs. Also Gary Lawless in uh, Las Vegas. Let's set that up. Johnston versus Kessel this summer coming to a stream near you. <laughs> I don't think there's no upside for Phil to even think about that. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. But there's. Hey, did you hear? For, I'm uh, going to the. I'm I'm going on the STP on Friday. Oh. Getting my first look I at the thought, new studio. Okay, I thought you were only supposed to go on after the Leafs lose in the playoffs. No, that's become a tradition. Like, kind of, we we do like the post mortem. Um, but I've you know I haven't been on as much because obviously we have our own show now. But back in the day, I'd go on you know three or four times a season or whatever, just basically whenever they ask. So. Uh, it's really just a chance for me to see the studio and, and see the guys who I haven't seen in a long time. Um, but then Adam's like, why don't you just come on the pod? And I was like, all right, let's go. By the way, when I say, aren't you only supposed to be on when the Leafs lose? That is not a shot. That is what the tradition is. I'm not making a joke. I just no, want that. I mean, I think I've done it five or six seasons in a row, like within a day or two of their last game. So, I mean, some I'll people might take it, if- it as, as be, be exalted though. Should they win a Stanley Cup? I think we'll also do some kind of postmortem too. So it's not it's not only it's not contingent on them losing. It's basically when the season's done, looking forward to the offseason, what's gonna happen. So 
Exactly. So uh, all the more reason to look forward to Friday's show. Uh, CJ, you heard it here first. I don't think it's been put out anywhere. So I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it, but I mean, it's my life and I'm going to do it. So I can't. You You want to know what I'm doing this week, Julian? Friday at 11 a.m. I'm going to see the boys. (laughs) Okay. Take photos. I mean, we've seen the studio enough times on episodes, but take photos. Enjoy it. Uh, I hope to visit the studio at some point myself. I actually wish I hadn't just worn the juggernaut shirt here. It would have been funnier had I just turned up with it there and like I hadn't been seen in it in a couple of years. I'm going to have to have to think of what I'm going to wear that day, but mm, I I still think you should just wear it. I've got a Steve Dangle t-shirt too. Yeah. Like yeah. With Steve's face on it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'll find something fun. Siege, this episode has been fun. Episode 153 of uh, the Chris Johnston show. We'll be back on Thursday uh, with stick taps and uh, maybe the playoff picture will be a little bit more clearer by then. Maybe not. We'll probably more the former than the latter, but you get what I mean. Uh, Keep it locked here uh, for more great content at the SDPN as well. Uh, Check out some of the other podcasts as well. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Thursday with a new episode for CJ. I'm Julian. So long and peace. And shout out to our hundred percenters, Julian. Shout out the 100 percenters. Yes, sir. Shout out to the 100 percenters, baby. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.